Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com. And we're also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous audio and video platforms, syndicated radio podcast networks, 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, <gasps> take a breath on that one, SoundCloud, <laughs> Vimeo, Stitcher, uh, many, many more. I'm not going to bore you with all of them. In fact, we're voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, number two on Feedspot, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Dr. Darius, no, you're not a doctor, are you? <laughs> yeah, I am. Actually, I am. Okay, well, there we go. Yeah, so. <laughs> Dr. Darius Ross. You see, I'm a psychic in my, in my spare time and a discerning Christian. Okay, Darius Ross is a 35-year veteran of entrepreneurship and real estate brokerage sales, property management, and acquisition, at real estate investing, too, whose life path has gone from inner city struggles, including poverty, violence, eviction, and foreclosure, wow, to the corporate suites. Great success story. Along the way, through those struggles, he used those guerrilla traditional skills to create a lucrative business and become a philanthropist and social activist. That's an awful lot of stuff on your resume there, buddy. <laughs> but before we get started, I want, to, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Philip Walter Smith. Just a reminder, you can watch and listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of those other global platforms I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Darius, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. It is my pleasure, Mr. Nasty. I appreciate it. Hey, I always like to ask my guests just who is Darius Ross and why was he placed on this earth? So go ahead and take that one. <laughs> uh, Darius Ross is an entrepreneur that uh, got involved in real estate at a very young age. Uh, due to how young? Uh, how young? Uh, we'll call it eighteen. Due wow. to the fact that uh, at the end of the day it was unemployment, so that was the next creative endeavor to actually pursue. Uh, with that in mind, created all different types of avenues of what I want to call guerrilla strategies because I began with one property, a hundred dollars down. And at the time, it was nothing more than a leg and a kickstand. It literally had to be propped up to keep it you know, functioning. So with that in mind, I began a real estate career. First year real estate made no money, absolutely none. So it's a funny story because I realized I was not a real estate agent. I could be an investor. So from that led to all the other avenues. Oh. What city did you do all this in? Chicago. And then I ended up down Chicago. Wow. Sir. And what, what years was this? Uh, where I'm sure you were in the middle of a real estate boom because uh, it's, uh, it's a lot harder to make money in a real estate crash, isn't it? Unless you're buying at the end, going through the rubble. Actually, it wasn't. It was the 1980s, 83, 84, 85. And this was not a good time. 
So what were you doing? Picking up uh, bargains and uh, fixing them, flipping them? Well, this was right before Resolution Trust and when they had the SNL crisis. So oh, I was in the gosh. midst of the crisis and the nightmare. <laughs> so I think you remember how that was. It wasn't nice. There minutes. have been so many crises, and they each have a different name. That's and, right. Uh, I was caught up in the 2008 subprime mortgage mm-hmm. crisis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's another story. Yeah, so, uh, I experienced that too. Let's talk about what your life was like before uh, elder care. Corporate entrepreneurship, it all ended uh, when you became a caregiver. It was a situation of, it was a choice. It was either A, become a caregiver, or B, you know, you've got somebody that's going to actually have no one to take care of them because mm-hmm. everybody family-wise was all out of state. So now you're it. You're the, the blessed one. Defense. Well, <laughs> and, it was a blessing. And who was this and again? <laughs> was this a parent? <laughs> it was my mother. Yep. Your mother. It God. was a blessing and a lesson. And then it became my father. So it became both. Are they still with us or they're gone? Yes, yes, you are. Wow. You're such right. a good caregiver. You kept him alive, huh? Yeah, like I said, it was wondering about whether I was going to stay alive or not. That's <laughs> challenging, believe me. The challenges of it all. So, are you still doing financially well, or did things suffer by you becoming a caregiver, which is typical? Oh yeah, it was a lot of suffering because at the end of the day, you know, you've got these opportunities and see. I was part of that 2007 crisis and uh. the 2000 crisis, <laughs> and the point of it was the crises are opportunities. And see, in this business, if you miss a mark, right. that's it. You know, so I look at it and I always say, if I had not missed that mark based upon the caregiving principle, I would have been a multi-billionaire. You were distracted. That's a nice word for Say it. Say the least. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and I have something in common. We both lost millions uh, in 2008. Mm-hmm. And I was invested in all the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Um I knew it was coming. I, I've warned people for like right. three years. And after about three years, I said, well, maybe I'm wrong. And as mm-hmm. soon as I mm-hmm. went in with both feet, uh, that's the case, isn't it? You, you, uh, you buy a stock and immediately goes down, <laughs> buy some real estate and uh, immediately you go into a crash. It's like always on the wrong end of the stick. But I'm ready for it this time. I know yeah. they didn't do anything to fix it. They threw fake money at it. Uh, that's right. in real estate and in uh, the stock market, and uh, they're doing well, right? Well, that's because there's inflation. That's where all the fake mm-hmm. money goes, and, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting for the bubble. I don't care how long I have to wait. I am not investing in real estate or the stock market until it happens. But crypto, that's another, that's another thing. I like crypto. What's your opinion of crypto? See, the thing about crypto and real estate, they're one and the same because at the end of the day, you're never going to be able to replace money. That's a fact. Crypto in its own nature is a beautiful thing in the sense that the way it was started as a, another currency and the people that were using it, it was a smart move because they could move money around you know, independently. Sure. Now, will the central banks actually adapt it at some point in time? Yes, but it will eliminate the common man from using it. See, now they're using the drill. I call them the common guy. It's like, okay, we're going to let them play with it. When we're tired of them playing with it, we're going to get them out of the market, period. Yeah. Well, the smart common guys are hanging on to it like mm-hmm. you know, 10 years, 20 years, mm-hmm. giving it to their kids. Mm-hmm. And that's smart because, you know, it's like uh, real estate. You see uh, real estate go down right. 50%. Mm-hmm. But if you have the resources and the time and you're young enough and is. you hang on to mm-hmm. it, uh, mm-hmm. it'll come back. They all come back, right? That's right. That's <laughs> Somebody's got to make the money. And if we can that's just it. tag along and don't fear 
and uh, mm-hmm. buy low, sell high instead of buy high, sell low. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. All right. And, and that's the problem with the whole process. It's like crypto now, like real estate, they're in the same mindset. It's like, you know, the, the amateurs, if you want to call it that, are going to bail out the moment it gets hot. Right. And there are right. a lot of amateurs that don't really understand there this are. business. There are. And they do it with real estate. They do it with the stock market. And they'll probably do it with crypto. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I've, I've learned. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm 68, but I still got a good 10 years on me, I, I think. That's right. And I got kids and grandkids and great grandkids. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay. And I have peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Now, let's get back to caregiving. (laughs) That's a little uh, free financial. uh, It's not advice because we're not allowed to do that. But, uh, you know, caregivers uh, are are generally suffering from finances because they neglect their job or their business, etc. And I'm sure you have no regrets, right? Take a deep breath. Yes. Let's let's just say it's a mixed (laughs) bag. uh, Uh Uh-huh. you know, obviously you're having uh, a time. It's a tough, tough time caring for your parents. I know I cared for mine. And um, because once, once they're gone, they always say, Oh man, I Mm -hmm. miss them. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I cherish the time we had together and this and that. And while they were alive, you know, you were pulling your hair out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. See, I say it's a mixed bag of tricks for all the caregivers out there, which I give applause to. Because this is not an easy job and it's not very simple because a lot of it has to do with if this were happening and I had another me, I could be doing both, right? So you're thinking like that. And the financial aspect of it is you're still thinking of, wow, the things I could be doing if I was not (laughs) doing this, you know, the things that could have happened. And it's that hindsight. So I would definitely say that at the end of the day, yes, you appreciate the fact because most of my friends' parents are dead. But it's that moment of you realize, (laughs) so it's it's easy for um, regret and uh, bitterness uh, to Mm -hmm. creep in and and uh, resentment, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, if if caregivers just take care of themselves, though, you know, if they just learn how to put their oxygen mask on first, they could kind of do both. Um, There's signs of deterioration. I like to call that burnout. Uh, talk about your burnout or your deterioration, as you put it. How, you know what what happened? How long did it take? And how did you recover from it? You have to uh, get in the mindset of reality check. You have to really yeah. be honest with yourself. That's the first part. That you can't do what you can't do, and then you have to really get honest with yourself on the financial aspect and let it go, because you really have to get real with the fact that these moments. Because finances and business, and especially when you're in entrepreneurship, which I'm sure you can appreciate, when you're an entrepreneur, things don't happen like they happen for the normal guy that's working every day. You get a break, and then you may not get another break for four or five years. And it's super huge what these opportunities are. So as a result, when you come to grips with the deterioration of what has actually happened, you know, when you really sit down and say, okay, I did this for this reason because I'm making sure that this person is going to be safe and okay. Then in the hindsight of it, you look at what you missed out on because you might see one of your peers taking advantage of it. (laughs) And then it becomes the envy, the frustration and all those things. So what it was for me, really waking up and realizing there's going to be a tomorrow. That's the hard part, that there's going to be a tomorrow and that you can recover from it. And more importantly speaking, it's that bottom out principle. Caregivers have to bottom out. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's true. Just like a drug addict, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of similarities. The good news for you, though, Darius, is that uh, you won't have to wait too long for the next opportunity. No. Right? It's coming. No. It's, I'm surprised it's not here yet. And you know it's coming. You've seen it. It's 2008 mm-hmm. deja vu all over again. And hopefully you can get your hand on some uh, money to take advantage of it after it happens. But you can always make money, right? Just start a start a business uh, in your garage or on the computer or something. You're a smart guy. You can figure it out. <laughs> See, the thing about 2022 is when we're looking at this helicopter money, as we want to call it, yeah. uh, the funny part about this whole thing of it is, is that no one's really looking at the fact that it was the same thing in 1928. Before 29's crash, it was just the roaring 20s. Roaring 20s. And it came to an end. The yep. difference of this is this has been going on 20 some plus years. And they never fixed 2007, eight. Right. They never fixed the 90s. Right. And they never fixed the 2000s. So now right. we're going to be facing something much bigger. And from the caregiver perspective, if you're in that arena, you have a situation which is this baby boomers, right? And there's 75 million of them. Okay, so that's a profit area. <laughs> but on the other hand, if you're the one that's in that arena, you're not looking at it as profit. You're looking at it as wow, this is a struggle. That's a thing. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So um, let's talk about determining whether you can handle 24-hour care because there's got to be a time in every caregiver's life where, you know, they're getting two hours rest every single day or night and uh, your loved one all of a sudden needs 24-hour care. I mean, you need to get up every two hours to turn them over so they don't get bed sores or whatever. Um, when do you decide that you can't handle this anymore, you know, and those promises you made, I'll never put you in a nursing home because they made you say that. Uh, I say change that promise and say, listen, uh, I made a bad promise. I'm going to renege on it. And here's my new promise. I will give you the best care possible. So what's your philosophy on determining when it's time to transition into a facility? The moment when you go in the bathroom, you look in the mirror and you go, <laughs> Well, that happens every day, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. That moment really gets serious when you look at that and you say to yourself, you're opening up the medicine cabinet and you want to take the whole bottle of Prozac. <laughs> uh, this, was before you had, this was before you had gray hair, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. At that point in time, it's time when you realize that you have gone to a point where there's nowhere else to go for you. So tell me what that's like for you. You, re- you looked in the mirror. You, you realize it had to happen. Uh, realizing it and doing it are two th- separate things, aren't they? Absolutely. One is because easy and one is hard. <laughs> so how do oh, you yeah. do it? How do you do the hard the part? The hard part of it is, is being able to say, now it's time that you have to leave this house. Uh, guilt was involved, was it? Oh, that's even an underestimation. It's not even guilt. It's a matter of the promise that you made. Yeah. You made a promise that it would never happen. And now you're looking at attrition. You're looking at the fact that nobody else is around. You're looking at nobody wants to turn around and agree to it because what family does is they automatically take sides. No, 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 you shouldn't do this. No, but you're the only one doing it. Nobody's coming to the rescue. So I say when help's not coming, that's when you have to make a decision. Yeah. So how vocal were your loved ones in uh, being demanding or were they just quiet and gentle and uh, whatever you say, son. <laughs> no, no, it was very opinionated, very bold, very, uh, how do I want to say it, antagonistic. 
So this was a war. So they were biting the hand that feeds them, is, is how oh, yeah. I like to put it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the so time. How did you handle that? Uh, with some tough love or did you uh, just kind of roll over and play dead? <laughs> I'd say that most caregivers now, they have to appreciate the magical moment of what I say. It's either you or them. Yeah. Make a decision. That's right. Because you might not. And this is a strange thing about it. There are more caregivers like doctors that are in the suicidal range and yeah. or in the range of hurting themselves or sure. the need of mental illness. So you have to make the decision. It's either you or them because you got <laughs> no options now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, what, uh, what services and resources um, do you need to make that smooth transition? And, you know, give me some details about your transition, what exactly you did. Cause there's many people listening who are in this position and I mean, they'd rather die than put their loved one in a facility. They know that they're going to die. And let's face it, um, if parents really knew how serious this was, how bad a shape they were in, uh, the caregiver, uh, they wouldn't want uh, their child to sacrifice their death for theirs. You wouldn't want to sacrifice your life for them. You wouldn't want to put your kids through what you're going through. That's why smart ones get um, you know, a long-term care policy so that this will never happen to them. Um, should we communicate better to the parents, some tough love, some tough words that, Hey, I'm about to lose it. And if I'm gone, somebody's going to put you in a facility and it probably won't be a good facility. So you better let me do it because at least I care about you. Uh, is that kind of a good scenario or how does that I think compare the, with yours? The conversation should start at about 60, to be very honest with you. If you have adult kids, it should start about 60. While with estate healthy, planning, yes. that's right. State planning, caregiving, and so Get forth. That's writing. the part I missed. That's right. That's the part I missed. Not only in writing, but the bottom line of it is making sure that you understand what your role has to be. Yeah, sixty to seventy, seventy to eighty. Because if you wait too late, you're going to have someone that the courts have to make a decision for. Yeah, that's a whole other ball game. You know how old I started uh, telling my loved ones, my children. Uh, at four years old, I says, mm-hmm. now someday, honey, you're going to have to mm-hmm. change grandpa's, not grandpa's, but daddy's diaper. Now I mm-hmm. tell my grandchildren, you have to change grandpa's diaper, you mm-hmm. know, as I'm helping you out with your car, as I'm, you know, paying for your new business, as I'm doing mm-hmm. all this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. One day, uh, you're going to have to be taking care of me. Mm-hmm. You know, just a little bit of guilt doesn't hurt. <laughs> Agreed. But um you know, it has to be a mindset when, when daddy gets old, when grandpa gets old when grandma gets old, you, you move them in and you take care of them. And when you can't take care of them anymore, you put them in a really nice facility. They know I've got long-term care. I got a really nice policy pays a, a lifetime of $400,000. Uh, mm-hmm. I could go to Malibu in, in uh, that's right on the beach here in California. If you don't know where Malibu is. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so now they're joking around with me. It says, we're going to put you in Pacoima because uh, <laughs> it's a very poor neighborhood because you're, you may not even know you're in, we'll just tell you you're in Malibu. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and it's a good point. <laughs> but that's the whole point. You know, that pre-planning ahead, goes into not only when you're looking at it from a young adults, but it's like as young college people or millennials, yeah. if you want to call it that millennials now have to sit down with their parents and say, while well, you're spending all this yep. money on other activities and endeavors, yeah. start investing in the future because this is being honest here. Sometimes you yeah. may not want to be that designated person. Yeah. So it's a matter of you being able to realize they may not want that role. 
Yeah, and many of these parents own their homes outright. You know, they paid off mm-hmm. that 30-year mortgage a long time ago. Yeah. And and you you can sell it, put them in a nice facility. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they're um if they're a veteran, they or the spouse of a veteran, they can get some aid and assistance. Many of them will pay for assisted living. That's right. And you can have your hands on that cash to invest when you know you're the next opportunity in real estate or the stock market comes right. around. And it's a win-win. And many times I recommend uh, get your uh, loved one qualified for Medicaid, which is the golden ticket, Medicare, Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Anybody will take her. That's right. So uh, I like the way you call that a home evacuation. (laughs) It has to be because at the end of the day, you cannot sit there and wait uh, for something to go wrong because it's like a military drill. You've got to be able to be smart enough to say, listen, you don't move a little bit out here and there. You're trying to nudge them out. Like, listen, this is the drill. Today is it. We're going to be leaving here. You can no longer mow the grass. You can no longer shovel the snow. Yeah. You no longer can make taxes. You no longer can afford the eating in here. Because exactly, as they get older, there's a need for heat greater because yeah. they're getting cold. So these things have to happen. And you can't turn around and be nice about it necessarily. Sometimes you got to do the push and show. This has got to happen. Yeah. Uh, have you written a book? I do. What's the name it's, of the book? Uh, the book now is dealing with elder care and young people surviving elder care. Mm. So we're playing with the titles right now. It's due out in November. Oh, great. So, um, of course, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, adult proofing uh, the house, if they're still in the house and health concerns, protecting the home and all that stuff. Um, do you practice what you preach? Uh, you've done oh, all absolutely. this yourself? Every single day. So are your, are your parents in a facility now? No, no, no. They're in adult care. They're in adult care. Okay. So, so they, they're, they're, they don't need a facility yet. No. Is that, uh, when you say adult care, are we talking about independent living or assisted living? Ind- independent living. Independent living. Okay. So they're around other adults that are the same age. Yeah. And so they have a yeah. population. And that's a great place to put them. And then if things get worse, then you move it up to assisted living. Things get worse. You may have to go to... Uh, you know, a skilled nursing facility, uh, a nursing home, et cetera, but you take them in steps. Um, have, did you sell the house? Did you get them approved for me- uh, Medicaid? That was one of the first things that was most important was the Medicare and Medicaid, because at the end of the day, at that time, sure, the salaries you. they were making were not, you know, of the level that they would actually have to qualify because there's a look back time period, yeah. very important with the assets. So That's it's right. like, so the you know, sooner the better. understand that. That's right. Because they can't pay their bills anymore. Uh, I have an aunt who who just came down with dementia. She's always kind of had it, but you know, uh, a lot of people who are dingy and airhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, no disrespect intended. Uh, yeah. You don't. It's hard to understand when they're moving into dementia because they always act that way. But when when they do crazy things like, uh oh, uh, she went to pay the rent and she didn't know how to fill out the check. And she was asking them, uh, where, does this, where does your name go? And they looked at her and says, you're kidding, right? And so they, now they know there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And so fortunately, she found herself a boyfriend in this uh, uh, independent living. Mm-hmm. And so they're living together now. And so <laughs> they're not going to evict her because she's not alone. So mm-hmm. you, you got to, uh, you know, get what you can get when you can get it. And, and hopefully she'll, uh, she'll be with it. It's so funny to see two elderly people he's 89 she's 84 uh act like junior hires who are in love you know? 
So both your parents are still alive, yes? They are. Yes, sir. Okay. So uh, how's your finances? Better? It has rebounded tremendously, you know, with this oh, whole market good. now. So I've done well with the real estate business, but it's just a matter of I took a significant hit. And, you know, that hit was so prevalent that I'll never forget it. So, you know, when I look at the market now coming back, I remember what it was like. And so that is the precautionary to understand, like you're saying, this is a timing thing now. But I remember that it wasn't millions with a one. It was millions with some zeros because you said, whoa, you know, yeah. because at that time, leverage was a beautiful thing. My home in um, in uh, Southern California, Los Angeles, I've been watching go up 20% a year, higher than the national average. And um, I remember that happened <laughs> a couple of mm-hmm. times in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever you list a home for sale, there's four or five buyers who are outbidding it and it sells mm-hmm. for above the listing price. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it again and again and again. And this is just like... Uh, writing on the wall, deja vu, red flags, it's coming. This can't go on forever. So, Well, here's a caveat to it. Here's a caveat to it. Yeah. Real estate never goes up more than 1% to 3% a clip per year. Right. So we're looking at now, in some cases, the market value of some of these homes that are three, four, five times. A house that may be worth 200000 is now worth eight. Unheard of. So yeah. people are not even realistic about this. All right. Well, I really, uh, we could talk for another uh, hour, but uh, unfortunately, we've run out of time. So give us information on how to get a hold of you, how to get the book when it comes out, et cetera, uh, when people want to know more, because you're a very smart guy. (laughs) (laughs) They can reach me at DariusAross.com or DariusRoss.com. The book information is on there for the e-commerce site and all the other information, consulting, coaching, everything else is on the site. Did you say AROS.com? DariusAross.com or DariusRoss.com. I've I got, got all the domains. You got them all. Uh, yes, sir. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to this interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our 26 global networks I mentioned earlier, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, etc. If you have been tuning in every single week, we certainly appreciate you. I just want to say uh, we'll see you next week. Same time, same channel. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. Anytime we suffer loss, we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven 
steps ranging from denial, I don't believe this is happening, anger, oh my gosh, I'm so upset this is happening, to a form of bargaining, how can I get out of this, to depression, which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide. And then finally, finally, after you realize you have no more control over your situation and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings, that wonderful, wonderful place called acceptance. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Uh.